is WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul. FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis. Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm Jeremy House in Washington. Florida health officials say the state has reached a grim milestone. More than 200,000 people have tested positive for the coronavirus. State statistics show about 10,000 new people tested positive. Also on SRNews.com, the United States has dipped under 50,000 new daily infections for the first time in four days, according to a tally by Johns Hopkins University. President Trump says the country is tackling the coronavirus. We've made a lot of progress. Our strategy is moving along well. It goes out in one area and rears back its ugly face in another area. But we've learned a lot. We've learned how to put out the flame. Members of President Trump's cabinet and agency leaders are finding time this election year to visit politically important states as their boss campaigns for a second term. This is SRN News. Larry Elder leaves the mask issue to local governments. Here's the deal. He's not doctor in chief. We have our own health care profession. We have our own people to whom we turn for advice. All the reason why it is perfectly rational and reasonable for in our federalist structure of government for the states and localities to determine what rules and regulations they're going to have. We need one rule. We need a stand. Really? The Larry Elder Show. Afternoons at 5 on AM 1280. The Patriot. Intelligent Radio. Is your business top of mind and in the public eye? Is your marketing plan effective and optimized with a message that's timely and targeted to the customers who need your product or service? Well, we're here to help with a free evaluation of your marketing plan to help you thrive. Just visit surroundmsp.com. Just past 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon here in the Twin Cities, take a look at your forecast from the Homestead Road Weather Center. Sunny skies today, we reach a high of 91, and we got Hour 2 Brad Carlson Show of the Narn starting right now. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T-minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM-1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM-1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with hour number two of the broadcast, we'd like to call the closure. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, feel free to do so at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. And if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And give us a follow. And as always, we appreciate your support so over these 16-plus uh, years now of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. I've been blessed to be part of it for nine years. And as always, we thank you for your wide-ranging support. I'm uh, going to talk some uh, national politics these uh, next couple of segments. Of course, whenever we do that, we'd like to call in our uh, friend of the broadcast in the show's official political wonk, Matt Koviak, you can check out his fine work uh, column at the Washington Times, as well as his podcast, the Mac on Politics podcast. That is M-A-C-K, Mac 
on Politics Podcast. Going to try to get our finger on the pulse of these uh, 2020 election season. Yeah, there's an election season still happening, even though we're in the midst of a global pandemic of four months away until Election Day, that is for sure. So, uh, as always, we'd like to welcome Matt back to the broadcast. Matt McCoviak, good to have you on the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much. Uh, again, appreciate the time. Hope you and yours have had a uh, great Independence Day weekend. Uh, I want to, before we get into some of the national politics, Matt, obviously your home state of Texas has been on the news uh, quite a bit as one of the areas that is cited as a uh, surge in positive uh, COVID-19 cases, uh, so much so that uh, I believe Governor Abbott, either he has taken the step or is considering the step of mandatory uh, face mask wear. Uh, is that is that fair, Matt? And uh, what can you tell us about that, I guess? Yeah, we do have a, a mask order in place that's statewide in, in, okay. in any county that has at least 20, 20 uh, confirmed cases of coronavirus. So it's I think it's like 80% of the counties just really it, uh, leaves out the really rural areas where there hasn't been much uh, much going on. Uh, yeah, look, Texas is in a tough spot, just like Florida, just like Arizona. Some of these states are seeing, um, you know, outbreaks in particular areas that are, you know, making it um, difficult, that are putting pressure on our um, hospital systems. You know, in, in Texas, it's Austin and Houston primarily that, are, that have seen these spikes. And look, Brad, I know everybody wants to, you know, blame it on the state reopening, um, you know, sure. being one of the states that reopened first. We started our reopening process May 1st, and we really didn't see any change in the number of cases throughout the month of May. So I don't think you can entirely blame it on the reopening. I mean, I think it's a complicated mix of factors. Uh, certainly the reopening is part of it. A part of it is, is uh, young people under the age of 30 going, getting together in large groups, whether that be, you know, uh, kind of at parties, whether that be at bars, whether that be other types of, of gatherings, because you've seen the average age in a lot of these places decrease. Uh, and the positivity rates increase among younger people. Uh, in Texas, we've tested our entire nursing home population and more than half of our prison population in the last month. So I think that's you know, certainly part of it. And then, Brad, the last thing that we, we, you can't ignore, well, there's two other factors. One, we're testing a lot more than we were. And so those tests are obviously you know, capturing a larger number of cases. Uh, the positivity rate has gone up, so it's not entirely testing, but that's part of it. But then finally, you know, the thing that the left wants to ignore and pretend doesn't matter were the, the racial justice protests, right. which, you know, set aside the issue of whether you think they were merited or not. Um, getting together in large groups where you're not maintaining social distance and where not everyone is wearing a mask uh, is absolutely a recipe, you know, for, for this. And so uh, you know, our, our governor did make an exception for uh, for uh, church gatherings, um, but, but he did not make an exception for protests as it relates to, to, to mask requirements. So, you know, if you want people to maintain social distance and stay at home when possible and wear masks if they can't maintain social distance, that should apply whether you're in a woke, you know, racial justice protest or whether you're just, right. uh, you know, at a Target or at a, at a grocery store. So, yeah, Texas is in a, is in a tough spot. Um, you know, I think we're going to get ahead of this in the next two weeks. And if not, I think the, the governor is going to face some really difficult choices. Yeah, no question. And I guess that kind of leads me into, you know, primarily what we want to talk about is obviously the national politics, particularly the presidential race. Uh, this obviously uh, the the governor issue issuing this uh, this mandate is something that flies in the face of a lot of the freedom loving people uh, in, in Texas, pretty pretty much because, you know, we don't like <laughs> having to uh, kowtow to government mandates. I, I understand all that. Um, but 
could this possibly lead? And again, our mutual friend, uh, uh, someone we admire, Steve Dace of Blaze TV, has indicated this was such an egregious offense that this could possibly, quite possibly, swing Texas into uh, the Democrat column in the presidential election. Do you think it's that severe of a decision, Matt McCoviak, that it would rankle that conservatives to that degree that they may not even bother voting? No, I don't. I mean, look, he's definitely under pressure from the right, but he was also under pressure from the left to to take a step back, to pause the reopening, and to allow the mask uh, order to go forward. And now, really, what, what the mayors are wanting is they're wanting the cities to be able to uh, be given the power back to institute a shelter at home if, if they choose to in the next 10 to 14 days. Sure. So I think everyone's hoping that the mask order will prevent us from having to go to shelter at home in particular areas. You know, no one wants to go back. We've been reopening our com- economy, saving jobs. Um, so the next 10, 10 days to 14 days are, are really important. But you're right. Look, he's under pressure from the right. There's no question about that. Um, and look, at the end of the day, this isn't about mandates. It's about whether people will voluntarily comply, right? There are not enough police officers in the world to enforce a mask order. Um, but if you can get 80 to 90% of the people to comply, then, then you have something that works. And that's what we had in March and April. And that's why things, we got things under control, but we've gotten away from that in May and June. Look, the other thing we have to keep in mind here is that unless you have an underlying health, uh, health issue or you're over 65, coronavirus is very unlikely to kill you. I mean, it's almost more likely to kill you than the flu is uh, if you don't have an underlying health challenge or you don't, you're, not a, you're, not, you're not a senior citizen. So, so, you know, the media wants to focus on how many cases we have and, and use these, you know, blaring headlines when really the death rate, I think, is the thing that we ought to be paying more attention to. And the death rate's been going down, and it's going to keep going down. We're getting better at treating the disease. It appears the disease is becoming more mild, and particularly as the number of younger people have increased that have it, that have the virus, uh, they're surviving it. And so the other thing that's happening here with these positivity rates and hospitalization rates is you have people going into the hospital for other reasons, and they get tested mm-hmm. when they get in there because if you're, if you're contagious, they, they, they need to know that. Uh, and then they're saying, okay, well, you have, you have coronavirus, and that's considered a coronavirus hospitalization, even though that's not the reason you're in the hospital. You went to, reason, went to the hospital for another reason. So, again, the data is, 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 is more complicated, I think, than, than people are, are really uh, fully understanding. So obviously, uh, a lot of these issues that are taking place, certainly the, uh, the, the global pandemic, a lot, uh, obviously a lot of the racial tensions that are bubbling to the surface in the aftermath of the George Floyd death here in uh, Minneapolis just over a month ago, these are certainly factors that are, are being weighed in upon among the uh, presidential candidates. And the one thing we've been noticing is um, you know, Joe Biden has had a healthy national lead over President Trump, sometime re- reaching double digits, uh, some key swing states. Uh, like Pennsylvania and, and Michigan and Wisconsin. Biden has been uh, leading, and then there are other swing states where he's well within the uh, margin of error. Uh, you know, we learned this four years ago, Matt Mikoviak, that uh, you know, when Hillary Clinton had a double-digit lead over, over candidate uh, Donald Trump, that what ended up happening election night. But wouldn't you agree this is kind of a little bit of different dynamic? Because, well, now Trump has a track record in a lot of what he did during the campaign uh, in 2016, people insisted, well, you know, once he gets into the White House, it'll be flipped the switch, whole different story. And that just hasn't happened. So uh, there, there is anybody within the Trump campaign sounding the alarm yet? Because the president certainly doesn't seem to himself, Matt McGoviak. Yeah, I mean, the reporting about it is that Trump is concerned, um, you know, that they are concerned about the, where, where they are. 
And look, I wrote a piece, I think, Wednesday or Thursday of last week for Al Jazeera English, making the case that Trump has a clear path to a comeback, not necessarily maybe to a winning. That will depend a lot on what happens in the fall. But by September, I think it's going to be an entirely different race. Right. He's had the, the, the sort of the triple combination of three just absolute political body blows with the coronavirus, with the economic collapse and the racial justice protests. Um, and, and if you think about it from from all three perspectives, Brad, we're going to be in a better place in September than we are right now. Almost almost assuredly. The other thing I think that matters here is and this gets in the weeds a little bit, but it, it really does matter. The polling right now is polling either registered adults or all adults. Um, okay. That is not how you predict, you know, what a what a race is going to ultimately be. The way you do that is you screen them to find out who's likely to vote. And you ultimately only uh, test people who are who, can, who are considered likely voters. Now, you can't really ask someone with with, with confidence whether they're likely to vote in May, uh, you know, for a November election. You generally wait till around September. So in September, what that what that's going to do is it's going to capture that intensity advantage that Trump has among his base. So if the economy improves, we have coronavirus under control, a lot of racial justice stuff is behind us, and the polling becomes likely voters and registered voters, I think it's a mid-single-digit race at that point. And then it hinges on the, the debates and whether Trump can, can take this from be, being a referendum on him to a choice between him and Biden. It certainly seems uh, you know, right now the strategy is for Joe Biden is to you know, kind of lay low, not take a lot of questions at the at press conferences. The most recent one he did where he actually did take questions was just an unmitigated disaster. And But at the same time, the people around him are probably aware, look, never interrupt his enemy when he's hurting himself, i.e. Uh, President Trump. And as such, you know, Biden has been able to maintain healthy leads. Again, a lot can happen in four months, as we realize that's a long time in, in political seasons. But uh, as far as the debates go, don't you think that the president still has to be somewhat measured? Because it, uh, my, my concern is if, there, if he would be a little too overly aggressive, that that wouldn't play well either, because it's very obvious to anybody who's watching Joe Biden, clearly the, the, the mental acuity, and again, I'm no doctor, but he clearly isn't what it was when he was vice president. Yeah, and look, I, it, the big question is going to be, I, look, I think it's not a question of whether Trump says he doesn't have the acuity. It's going to be a conclusion that voters have to draw on their own. They have sure. to ultimately decide that he is more risky because he's not up to the job than Trump is. And, and right now, every, right now, Trump is running against himself because Biden's hiding yes. in his basement, you know, leaving the house for a half hour at a time twice a week. Uh, it's almost like he's in prison by, you know, by his own campaign. But, but he has a lead. He's not making mistakes. But he's also not really putting his agenda out there. Um, you know, I do think that's going to change. He's going to announce his VP choice first, second week of August. They'll move towards their virtual convention, which will be in Milwaukee. They'll roll out their VP choice. In August, he's going to start cutting out more. And then September, we'll be back, I think, to a more normal type of campaign. But look, the debates are going to give Trump a chance to, to win back the middle to convince people he needs four more years, that he has more he wants to do in the second term, and to really disqualify Biden or to let Biden disqualify himself. He hasn't really done that. He's not doing press conferences, doing very few interviews. He's not getting tough questions. The, the, the biggest opportunity that Trump has is if he can make this a referendum on who can rebuild the economy. And that is, I think, the opportunity that, 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 that he has in front of him with the, with the debates unless we get to September. Any prediction who the uh, uh, Biden's running mate will be? I mean, I know it's I narrowed it's down, down to a few choices. Yeah, yeah, I think it's down to four people right now. Uh, Kamala Harris, the senator from California, is probably the front runner. I think Susan Rice, the former national security advisor, who's been doing more television and more sort of political attacks uh, in recent days, I think is, is definitely uh, in the mix. 
Uh, I think Elizabeth Warren, senator from from Massachusetts, who's obviously not a woman of color, but is a, is a you know, significant progressive. Um, and then finally, it's a new name has kind of come on the on the on the list a little bit. That's Tammy Duckworth, uh, who I believe is a, a paraplegic uh, military veteran, female uh, Asian American senator from Illinois. Um, I, I actually think Susan Rice might be the ultimate choice he goes with. Everyone else has really. They, they all have their own problems. Yeah, they all have their own problems. Wow. There's a story. In the, there's a story in the Hill today that, that Susan Rice is rising up up the charts. She's a bridge to Obama world. She's, you know, credible on national security issues. She's got more limited baggage, I think, than some of the other candidates. And they've worked together quite a bit over the years. But, look, he could go with any of those four. It's going to be a question about what he thinks he needs at that time. He doesn't have to make the decision yet. Once again, we're joined by our uh, political walk, Matt McCoviak, talking uh, 2020 election cycle. I uh, do want to get into the uh, U.S. Senate races, uh, if we possibly could. Uh, so, Matt, are you able to hold for just uh, one more segment sure. with us? Yeah. Okay. Matt McCoviak coming back. We're going to talk about some of the key Senate races. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, formidable task for the Republicans to hang on to the U.S. Senate, but it is a uh, very realizable, realizable path nonetheless. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. It's a curious thing. Make a one Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. Now streaming on SalemNow.com is the brand new film, Selfie Dad. Selfie Dad is a very funny yet powerful movie about a Christian dad in a midlife crisis who becomes an overnight social media phenomenon, only to turn away from God and his family. But when he's confronted with a newfound friendship and the life-changing truths of the Bible, he learns the only way to have true happiness. Some of these things I just can't fix without some sort of direction. And I'm finding it right here in the Bible. God can do incredible things. Selfie Dad stars Christian comedians Michael Jr. and Shonda Pierce, as well as Grammy singer, YouTube star Jamie Grace, and War Room's Karen Abercrombie. It will inspire you to find the life-changing value of the Bible. Watch Selfie Dad at SalemNow.com and use promo code Minneapolis to save 20%. That's SalemNow.com, promo code Minneapolis. As America sits at a standstill, God is calling His people to action, to spread hope, light, and truth. If you've ever felt the tug to share your story by writing a Christian book, now is the time to embrace the stillness and put pen to paper. Join us now at ChristianAuthors.com, where we're linking arms with believers to heed the Great Commission and get Christian books into the hands of readers. That's ChristianAuthors.com, where we're amplifying truth to see lives changed. Get your free guide to Christian publishing today at ChristianAuthors.com. Attention homeowners. Do you have a house that's in need of serious repairs? Do you have tenants that never seem to make their monthly payments? How about code violations, past due taxes, or maintenance costs you just can't afford? Then call my friends right now with Quick Cash Offer. They specialize in buying any home, no matter how ugly the situation. Turn that problem property into cash right now. It's just that simple. One call and you can get rid of that home headache forever. They buy the ugliest houses with instant 
instant closings, instant cash, and huge savings. Plus, there are no realtor fees, no listing fees, and no repair costs. Just cash in your hands for that painful property. They're buying a few more houses in your neighborhood this month. So take advantage of this cash offer and call Quick Cash Offer now. 800-775-4514. 800-775-4514. That's 800-775-4514. From your first sunrise to the sunset of life, we are with you through life's journey. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Visit socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Welcome back, AM Twelve Eighty Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag NARN Show. Continuing our discussion with our political walk, Matt Bukowiak. I got about ten minutes remaining, so we want to take the balance of the time to talk about. Uh, the U.S. Senate races right now, uh, the way it stands, uh, the uh, Democrats would have to flip uh, three seats have a, or have a net gain of three seats in order to uh, have a 50-50 split. And then, of course, if Biden wins the presidency, they would technically have a majority. But, of course, they'd have to flip four seats to have an outright majority. Uh, Matt, I know we talked a little bit about this uh, one of the last couple of times we visited. It seems like uh, of the Republican seats... Most vulnerable, uh, Martha McSally, who was, of course, appointed in 2019 to replace uh, the late John McCain uh, out of Arizona, and then Cory Gardner in Colorado, seemed to be the uh, uh, most vulnerable. Is that a fair assessment uh, going into this cycle, Matt McCoviak? Yeah, I think it is. And I think there's another category after that of people that are probably, you know, vulnerable, but not maybe most vulnerable. Um, you know, you would put probably Maine, Susan Collins in there, Tom Tillis in North mm-hmm. Carolina. Uh, in there, potentially Joni Ernst uh, of Iowa uh, in there. Uh, you know, we, we now are starting to see who the Democrat nominees are going to be in some of these Senate seats. And so, um, you, know, you know, both in Kentucky and Colorado, they got the nominee they wanted, but both of them sort of limped across the finish line with kind of uh, glaring weaknesses in their, in their candidacies. Look, what the Democrats have done effectively is they have broadened the map. Uh, and, and instead of, of, of really having a narrow path to the four seats they're going to need if Republicans flip Alabama to get the majority. Now they've got you know, several different paths, right? If you presume they win Colorado and Arizona, then they only need to win two out of a group of states that include North Carolina, Iowa, Montana, uh, Maine, um, you know, perhaps one of the Georgia Senate seats, uh, you know, so they've got, you know, four or five or six different ways to get the final two seats they need. And so, the challenge for Republicans is besides picking up Alabama, which I think is likely, even if uh, Tommy Tuberville you know, somehow defeats Jeff Sessions here in a couple of weeks, um, there's really the only other pickup opportunity we have is Michigan with John James, who's been doing great. And, you know, Gary Peters incumbent is weak and not well known. And John James, I think, has outraised him in the last two quarters. But that's obviously okay. going to be driven by the presidential uh, margin as well. So what uh, I, I guess my question is, is that, um, you know, at, to what extent do these uh, candidates have to, uh, I guess, acknowledge Trump, whether it be distance themselves or yeah. interact with him? I guess it's dependent upon the states, right? I mean, because obviously Trump in a, in a state like uh, uh, Arizona and in Colorado might be a little more toxic than, uh, say, Alabama, yeah. where he would most assuredly win. So 
Uh, do you sense that some of these Senate candidates are going to try to maybe distance themselves, or are they just going to go along with the party line? I mean, how do you see that going forward? Yeah, so it's one thing to establish your own brand and talk about what you've done, which maybe you know may or may not relate to what the Trump administration has done. Uh, it's another to make the choice to to distance yourself, you know, from from the president. You could do that, you know, from a sort of rhetorical standpoint. You can do that uh, on a couple policy positions, perhaps, to try to establish some independence. You know, the risk on that, obviously, is it could upset, you know, your Republican base. And so sure. you have to figure out sort of how far you can go without going too far. And you're right. Arizona and Colorado would be places where that would be more likely. Maine would be another. You know, Susan Collins has her own brand. Uh, she is truly independent. She does criticize Trump from time to time. But she's not, I think, over the top. Uh, so I, I would look at those three. I think in terms of timing, you're probably looking at around Labor Day. Look, here's the whole ballgame for Trump. If he's in the high 30s where he is right now in job approval, he's not going to get reelected. His reelect number and his job approval number have been basically tracking. Um, and so he's got to get up into the, the mid 40s, 44, 45, 46 by, you know, first, second, maybe third week of September. Or you are going to see some of those Senate candidates, you know, seek some distance to try to save themselves. Um, I do think, again, I do think Nate Grace is going to narrow for the reasons we talked about in the last segment, but he has got to focus on doing the job, focus a little less on all the other distractions, uh, the fights that he picks, the, you know, some of the tweets. Look, I thought he gave an outstanding speech on, at Mount Rushmore on Friday night. I mean, the media just disgracefully, you know, called it, you know, racist and all these ridiculous terms. And all I was doing was, sure. was really defending the founders of America and walking uh, everyone through the history and why Mount Rushmore is there and why it honors those four individuals um, and connects connects all of that to you know the effort to preserve our history and our heritage uh, and, and not let you know mobs of, of angry people pull statues down like we're in Baghdad or something. So right. um, I, so I think if we see more of that, you know I think that's a speech where if you read it or you watch it, I think 60 percent of the country would strongly support what he said. Uh, that's what he's got to do. Those kinds of things. Focus on the economy. Get ahead of coronavirus. Uh, see if they can do something on police reform that's, that's sensible uh, and moves the ball forward. But he's got to, again, drive the contrast on the economy with Biden. The, more, the better he does, the better our Senate candidates are going to do. But, yeah, I think this is going to be really close. Democrats are either going to have a one-seat majority, it's going to be tied, or Republicans are going to have a one-seat majority in the Senate. And a lot of that is going to depend on the presidential race, because a lot of these states where you have Senate races, you also have uh, you know, battleground uh, presidential contests as well. One issue that uh, you know they, that they could try to make a campaign issue again, and I and I I guess I'd like your perspective of whether they could go to that well again, uh, is obviously uh, uh, the Supreme Court. There is particularly because you know uh, John Roberts has you know proven to you, you just don't know yeah. what he's going to do. He seems to be more of a you know kind of a restraining voice than more yeah. of a of a constructionist, but. Now I was hearing rumors, I saw a story that uh, Samuel Leto, who was, of course, a Bush appointee back in 2006, uh, is considering retiring. And if um, if he retires, you know, during a Joe Biden presidency, um, yeah, that's a whole other generation or two that the court is uh, is in uh, left wing hands, for, for lack of a better term. So is that something is that another well that uh, Trump could take a dip into? Because I asked that because people were still kind of disaffected by the. Uh, the Gorsuch, Gorsuch decision on the uh, uh, Title VII civil rights employment yeah. law. So is that something that he could maybe uh, make a winner out of again, Matt Mikowiak? Yeah, it's possible. And now that you basically have the, the June term, I think, you know, I think the maybe ends, I think we still have a, um, I want to say they may still have one more week, although maybe it's over now. If there were to be an announcement, it would be pretty soon because they want to get things moving and get someone confirmed probably by, by the end of September. 
Um, look, I think there's three possibilities in that regard, and my guess is that all three of them are, are less likely than likely. But you're right. Uh, Hugh Hewitt, uh, who, who stays in really close touch on social Supreme Court sort of politics and, and, and decisions and all of that, uh, did say that he's been hearing that Alito is thinking of, resi- of, of resigning and retiring. He is 70 years old. He said to retire to D.C. And if you're, you know, the challenge is if you don't, if you're a Republican appointed judge, the unwritten rule is that you leave when there's a Republican president. So you basically have to be, you know, prepared to stay at least another eight years, you know, presuming Biden wins, perhaps he runs again, although I guess maybe he won't given his age. But either way, you have to be prepared to stay another eight years. I would put him at 78, 79 years old. The other option is Clarence Thomas. Um, you know, a lot of different opinions about this. I've heard he wants to die on the court. I've heard that maybe he wants to leave and they can put another justice in his place while Trump's there. So that's another possibility. And then the last possibility is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He's very old. He's had some health challenges. She does apparently is a crazy workout person and, and apparently is pretty healthy, but she's had some, I think, cancer scares in recent years. So she either she wouldn't retire or resign, but she, she could obviously potentially die, although in the next, you know, that would have to be the next year, four or five months. So, again, I think the odds are, are less likely than likely. What I think you are going to see is Trump is going to update his Supreme Court, uh, you know, sort of list like he did last time. Sure. And there may be some pressure on Biden to release his list. Uh, see see if he does that. Uh, so I do think they want to inject some Supreme Court uh, urgency into the 2020 race, and obviously a vacancy would do that, but they may not have a vacancy. We only have about a minute left, Matt, so I, I don't know if you can answer this question real quick, but um, how does this impact uh, McConnell's statement where he said in the next we need to wait for the next president, i.e. The, whoever's elected in 2016, to fill the vacancy left by Scalia because... Uh, Politically, that could certainly be a, uh, a very uh, politically yeah, charged issue. There's, 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 there's been a real misunderstanding. There's been a real misunderstanding about what he said. Um, he didn't say that you can't you can't you know uh, put another justice in a presidential election year. He said you can't do it when there's divided government. He, he believed. He, I think the precedent was something like 100 years since that had last happened, right? So okay. if the Senate and the White House are in the same party. The electorate has already basically rendered judgment on that. But if you have a Democratic president, Republican Senate, or vice versa. That's where you, you, you leave it open and let the election make the decision. So that's the distinction he's made. He said he'll move forward. Lindsey Graham, the Senate Judiciary Committee, has said they'll move forward as well. So that's the expectation if a vacancy were to arise. Matt, appreciate your time as always. Fantastic insights. Uh, have a great rest of the Independence uh, Day weekend, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Look forward to it. Take care. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network, back with another segment on the program celebrating Huey Lewis's seventieth birthday with all Huey Lewis bumper tunes right here. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. Relief Factor. Effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two Weeks, yes, two weeks, and my pain was gone, and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com, and then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. 
This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-605-5757-800-605-5757-800-605-5757. More and more these days, it feels like sports are losing out to hype. Who dissed who? Who signed the fattest contract? Who got busted for cheating? Lost 2 is the unique capacity sports have to inspire us, to unite us. Well, great news, sports fans. Sports are still being played for the right reasons. They're still as entertaining as they are character building. You just have to know where to find it. And you only have to look as far as your local Minnesota high school. You know, the place where the games are exciting, concessions are affordable, and the parking is free. Where the emphasis is on hustle and heart instead of hype. If you prefer real, honest-to-goodness sport played for all the right reasons, you'll find it at your hometown high school, High School Sports. Games are being played this weekend at a Minnesota high school near you. Okay, everybody, who's in? This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Yeah, this was a song that did it when I first heard it back in 1982 on a random 1982 hits album. Do you listen to this? Do you believe in those? And lo, these 38 years later, still a huge fan. Yeah, it's Huey Lewis's 70th birthday. We're celebrating today on the Northern Alliance Radio Network with all Huey Lewis bumper tunes. And here to take your phone calls about all other topics, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via... Twitter, just do Narn Show, hashtag N-A-R-N Show, hashtag Narn Show for any comments or questions. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. I'll leave it, let it play for another uh, 10, 15 seconds. I'm this one. Doing the air drum. It's as good as it gets right there. Yeah, it brings me back to when I... Uh, First heard Huey and the Boys back in eighth grade, and, uh, and that was before their biggest selling album, Sports, came out the following year. And, of course, it launched them into another stratosphere. Uh, great story about the band. You know, they were still, you know, kind of middling success when Sports had been released. And they were playing in a discotheque in Odessa, Texas, in front of about 15 people when the album Sports went to number one. So they were still out there doing what they were doing, and then they sports went to number one, and they just went into another stratosphere into the mainstream as a result. So, and in my opinion, <clears throat> we pop music fans are the better for it. So, there you have it. I uh, do want to transition uh, a little bit to uh, some issues regarding uh, the culture, specifically uh, Black Lives Matter, and I thought uh, Eric Erickson did a 
uh, great monologue on his show this past week, specifically addressing the white woke leftists, where they seem to want to co-opt the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, basically tell people how they can uh, support uh, black people in this difficult time where racial tensions are no doubt bubbling above the surface. And of course, it was really uh, the catalyst for that was uh, the killing of George Floyd here in Minneapolis on Memorial Day. I mean, obviously there have been certainly issues having to do with racial oppression before that, but this kind of uh, just brought it to another level, the George Floyd killing, and and understandably. And there was not one person who watched that that could uh, excuse what happened, what the police officers did. No No one could say George Floyd had it coming. Yeah, there were some unfortunate remarks where people were bringing up George Floyd's past indiscretions, which had nothing to do with why he was being arrested that day, but was almost as if, you know, people wanted some sort of comfort. I, you know, which made no sense to me, but that's neither here nor there. Well, I bring all this up because Eric Erickson had a terrific monologue. And if you follow, you should follow Eric Erickson's Facebook page. He posts video clips of his show, which I listened to regularly when I was working from home. And it was great. I loved it. I've been a fan of Eric Erickson for quite a while, but never really had an opportunity to listen to his radio show. And he's basically tired of the whole dear white people lectures from woke white progressives. That they're basically trying to tell us, well, here's a list of movies you shouldn't watch because they're, they portray people as white saviors. You know, and, and instead you should uh, watch these particular movies that show how uh, black people pick themselves up by their own bootstraps and moved forward with their lives without needing help from whitey. You know, that's kind of the context of a lot of these virtue signaling, lecturing uh, Instagram stories that I've been reading. And, you know, here's where you should, here's where you should shop. You want to support uh, black owned restaurants or uh, you want to support um, these particular endeavors or whatever. And, you know, I, I've said a while ago that I, I always, me, my worldview being a, a Christian, that I always pray for the Lord's guidance in all facets of my life. Because the one thing I, the one consistent prayer I have on a daily basis is I just want to be a good ambassador for his kingdom. That the way I carry myself, that I'm reflective of the blessings that God has bestowed upon me. And I get it. I'm, we're all human and we all fall short of the glory of God. No doubt about that. But I always pray that I'm round in his word and that I am a good representative of who he is. Because I would, you know, it, it would devastate me if I would invite someone to church or where, where I was attending church and say, well, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. If that's how you carry yourself on a regular basis. I, yeah, yeah. You know, I, that, I, I hate to be, for people to be turned off of, of, of Christ's blessings because of how I act. And it's like, well, if that's how you're supposed to act, uh, being a Bible believing Christian, then I don't want any part of that, you know? So I say all that to say that if I had some blind spots and that if I did something in my life, 
that was disrespectful to people of color or anybody that I would want to obviously correct that behavior in myself. Because at the end of the day, that's what I'm living for, is to ultimately stand before the pearly gates and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and, and I say all that to say that people who do all this lecturing and are big into this activism, you know, eventually that stuff is going to burn out. But there is still a need for advocacy, not the over-the-top virtue signaling, but they're uh, basically to be there for them. You know, are you listening to what they're telling you, what, what black people are telling you, what they need, what they want? Because a lot of what I hear what they want is, hey, we just want to be on equal footing, equal playing field. You know, well, I mean, I mean, Jason, you've been in studio when I've had Reverend Christopher and Louis Denard on, and what's Lewis said both times on the show, he said, we just want equal opportunity. I, when I get pulled over, yep. I want to get pulled over and be treated the same as if a white guy got pulled over by police. You know, because Lewis, it, 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 it kind of, that, that moved me a little bit. When Lewis, I think it was their appearance last year, maybe the year before, I think it was last year when they were on, where Lewis says when he gets pulled over, he has both hands on the steering wheel and everything is yes, sir, no, sir. And it's like, okay, it's one thing to be respectful, but the fact that you could be misconstrued as reaching for a gun mm -hmm. by reaching for your wallet, a la Philando Castile, it's, it's heartbreaking yeah. to me. Yeah. I'm uh, thinking about it like yeah, that. Yeah, Brad, um, you and I, don't have that kind of fear, do we? That doesn't really cross our mind that that could potentially happen to us, does it? And no, so, I mean, I'm, I'm fearful of, of police because I don't want my record sure. to be tarnished. You know, because I, I think of it from a financial standpoint, you know, like I don't want my insurance to go up. I'm not making a yeah, lot of money. Oh, right. my God. It, I don't it's a different ticket. kind but of fear, But nothing though. like life or death. Right, sure. exactly. That's, that's <laughs> what I mean. That's what I mean. And I think more than anything, what I've heard from any, anybody that's been talking about these issues that's happened over the last couple months is exactly what Reverend Christopher is saying. People just want to be heard. People just want you to sit there and just absorb the things that they're telling them. People want you to try as best as you can, and it's not entirely possible to do this, but people just want you to you know, put on their shoes and see what walking a day in their life is like. That's really what I'm hearing. Like um, Anybody I've talked to, any African-American that I've talked to over the last couple months, it's just about listening. And for whatever reason, it... That that actually um, creates a lot of issues for some people uh, when they are told that for whatever reason. And I'm going about this kind of the same way. I just want to be as respectful as I possibly can. I want to listen to and hear people out. And, you know, I can't control what other people do. I can't control how other people react to that. But I'm just going to go about my business. And, you know, the right. good Lord will judge me for what I do here on earth. And I just hope I'm a good person. And these are the kind of things that I think I can do to help me be a good person. Well, Charles, uh, I, let me get this uh, gentleman's name here. Uh, ch -ch -ch. It was Charles Love. Yeah, Charles Love wrote a great piece in the New York Post talking about this very thing. About, look, we, we, we uh, black people appreciate the allyship, if that's even a word. It's a word being thrown about. We appreciate that. Um, but you're going about it all wrong. You're, you're, basically, the priorities you're assigning us are not our priorities. And I'll read a quick excerpt of this. Uh, sympathetic non-blacks often see blacks as oppressed victims with limited opportunities. Since the killing of George Floyd, I've had many conversations with, with whites, mostly centered on my own well-being. 
Many of my black friends relate stories of management at their companies telling employees to check on their black coworkers. Everyone, everywhere one looks, organizations are showing solidarity with Black Lives Matter, both the motto and the organization. Uber Eats canceled its delivery fees for black businesses. Turn on YouTube TV or order from Amazon and you'll see messages of support for the black community. Nike, the NFL, and others made Juneteenth a paid holiday for all employees. These gestures, mostly symbolic, suggest what whites believe blacks are concerned about. They seem insincere. Since they don't have many blacks in their social circles and having conversations with blacks is awkward and can take time, woke whites opt for easy, feel-good actions, most of which will have no effect on police brutality, on the quality of black schools or neighborhoods or on black lives generally. Most woke whites have good intentions, but their symbolic gestures at best will at best have little effect and at worst do real harm. The campaign against police is a good example. Broad anti-police sentiment has already caused cops to become less proactive in high-crime neighborhoods, with the predictable result that shootings have spiked around the country. And that's something you've heard Reverend Christopher say both appearances on our show. He walks the streets of North Minneapolis as part of his ministry, and he always emphasized, look, we're not anti-cop. We in the black community, we're not anti-cop, the vast majority of us. We're just trying to root out the corruption. And obviously some of the very blatant instances of police brutality where there is never any justice for that. And speaking of the organization Black Lives Matter, uh, Marcellus Wiley, he former NFL player, played 10 years in the NFL, uh, grew up lit, grew up in the in the hood, you know, straight out of Compton. He, he uh, was born and raised in Compton and made an, and made his way to where he got to Columbia, prestigious Ivy League school, and then had 10 years in the NFL. So if you really are concerned about Black Lives Mattering, uh, listen to this. It's about a three-minute clip. Marcellus Wiley, he was asked, uh, Yo, Marcellus, do you think it's a good idea for uh, the NBA when it returns to paint the Black Lives Matter logo on its basketball court? Should they paint Black Lives Matter on its court? Here's what uh, Marcellus thinks about that organization. Ah, it's not a good idea. Um, I do want to give the players credit for their flex to even get this to be more than just an idea, but something that's going to be in reality. I give the players that. Um, but there's a problem with when you start to go down this road of the freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and how much social space is allowed for those who don't support in that same space. And that's where I, I wonder where this is going to go in terms of identity politics. We know what identity politics does. Uh, it, it divides and it polarizes. No matter how you want to look at it, that's just the effect of it, no matter how great the intentions are. And we all know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions. So it's an interesting play right here. I don't know how many people really look into the mission statement of Black Lives Matter, but I did. And when you look into it, there's a couple things that jump out to me. And I'm a black man who's been black and my life has mattered since 1974. And this organization was founded in 2013. I'm proud of you. But I've been fighting this fight for me and for others a lot longer. Two things. My family structure is so vital and important to me. Not only the one I grew up in, but the one I'm trying to create right now. Being a father and a husband, that's my mission in life right now. How do I reconcile that, what I just told you, with this mission statement that says, quote, 
We dismantle the patriarchal practice. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. When I know statistics, when I know my reality, forget statistics. I knew this before I even went to Columbia and saw these same statistics that I'm going to read to you right now. That children from single parent homes versus two parent homes. The children from the single parent homes, this is in 1995 I was reading this. Five times more likely to commit suicide. Six times more likely to be in poverty. Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. Ten times more likely to abuse chemical substances. Fourteen times more likely to commit rape. Twenty times more likely to end up in prison. And 32 times more likely to run away from home. I knew that. You know why I knew it? Because a lot of my friends didn't have family structures that were nuclear like mine. And they found themselves outside of their dreams and goals and aspirations. So when I see that, or as a mission statement for Black Lives Matter, it makes me scratch my head. When I also see their mission is to eradicate white supremacy. In 2020, white supremacy is the mission. Woo, that's a lot of digging through minutia right there. I am on a show that I'm hosting along with another black guy who is hosting with me, who replaced another black guy. And that's just one example of it. So I understand. I respect your space. I respect what you're protesting for. But will you respect others who don't support that same protest? All right. So there you have it. Marcellus Wiley just kind of laying it out. Yeah, that if you really believe Black Lives Matter, then the mission statement of the organization Black Lives Matter seems to kind of fly in the face of what can help black people thrive in this uh, particular society. And don't take my word for it. Marcellus Wiley, I think he has I think he has a few things to say about it. I mean, growing up in Compton, uh, the hood. Okay. You know, you've heard the song straight out of Compton, uh, from, uh, NWA back in the day. Yeah. And making his way to get to Columbia, he would probably concur that wouldn't have happened without a solid family structure and what he's trying to build now with his own wife and his, and his kids. So I think he has some credibility on that issue, and I hope people will take that to heart. That is fantastic. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. Coming back with one final segment on the broadcast. Happy 70th birthday, Huey Lewis, continuing to play the Huey Lewis tunes from here until the end of the program right here in the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Summer's here and it's time to get grilling. So let our Ace Grilling experts help you choose the right grill for your family from the best brands like Big Green Egg Charcoal Grills, Traeger Wood Pellet Grills, and Weber Gas Grills. And since our stores are locally owned and we're committed to helping our neighbors, we'll also assemble and deliver your grill for free. Around the block, what you need in stock with people who know their grills. Offer valid for Ace Rewards members through July 13th on grills and accessories $3.99 and up. See participating stores for scheduling or exclusions. We're Diamond and Silk, and we have a new book coming out called Uprising. The Awakening of Diamond and Silk. It's about how we overcame poverty and hardship by not letting anyone else define who we are, what we can do, or who we are supposed to vote for. And guess what? You can do it too. That's right. And we want you to hear our personal story for the first time. Uprising by Diamond and Silk, coming August 18th. Pre-order at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Warning. 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 
Once you taste the Rack Shack's Patriot Burger, other burgers will never measure up. Hey, I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and we've partnered with my friend Keith Hitner Sr. from the Rack Shack Barbecue to create a burger worthy of the Patriot name. It's a half-pound burger that's red, white, and blue through and through. American cheese on top, and the American flag proudly waves over the bun. The Patriot Burger comes with your choice of any of our delectable sides, like our famous hand-cut fries, all just for $12.80. Best burger in town as far as I'm concerned, and it's $12.80 anytime, any day. Try today at the Rack Shack Barbecue at the Cedar Cliff Center at Nichols and Cliff in Egan. Be careful. Once you try a Patriot Burger, you may never go back to a regular burger. That's the Rack Shack Barbecue at RackShackBarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack Barbecue, ooh, 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 yeah. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say, you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Patriot Minneapolis. It's time to throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 1280 to Patriot hosts in high quality with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Hear the top voices in conservative radio on your Amazon smart speaker. Now streaming AM 1280 the Patriot. Intelligent radio. Just ask Alexa to play the Patriot Minneapolis. That's play the Patriot Minneapolis. Welcome back, AM Twelve Eighty Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight is the number to call. I'm actually, scratch that. We only got a few minutes left. So can't take any calls. Sorry, I don't mean to be a tease. Ah, oh, yes, wrapping up the broadcast with Huey Lewis in the news. All bumper tunes. Uh, so, Jason, looks like it's finally going to happen. The Redskins uh, look like they're going to be changing their nickname. Press release from the Washington Redskins. Uh, I believe came out, uh, yeah, Friday the 3rd. In light of recent events around our country and feedback from our community, the Mm -hmm. Redskins are announcing the team will undergo a thorough review of the team's name. This review formalizes the initial discussions the team has been having with the league in recent weeks. Dan Snyder, owner of the Washington Redskins, stated this process allows the team to take into account not only the proud tradition and history of the franchise, but also input from our alumni, the organization, sponsors, the National Football League, and the local community it is proud to represent on and off the field. Ron Rivera, head coach of the Redskins, remarked, this, is, uh, this issue is of personal importance to me, and I look forward to working closely with Dan Snyder to make sure we continue the mission of honoring and supporting Native Americans and our military. We believe this review can and will be conducted with the best interest of all in mind. Translation, yeah, we're kowtowing to sponsor demands now that uh, <laughs> FedEx, the... Uh, name on our field, FedEx Field, is yep. uh, asking us to change the name, and Nike mm-hmm. basically removing all Washington Redskins products from its yeah. uh, product line. I mean, it's amazing so, what can happen in seven years, right? Because Dan Snyder, as of 2013, uh, was very adamant that the name Redskins would never, ever, ever be changed. He basically said, sign, see, undelivered. It's not going to happen. But again, uh, money tends to talk the loudest, doesn't it, Brad? <laughs> Well, that's just it. And, and my thing is, look, there was a poll that came out in 2012, and I don't know if it's changed dramatically, but in or 2016, just four years ago, 2016, nine in 10 Native Americans said, we are not, not, not offended mm-hmm. by the nickname Redskins. Not mm-hmm. offended by it. 
So unless that's dramatically changed, this is once again another example of Lily White progressives trying to speak for another race or origin of people. That's that's all this is. But again, I'm not terribly offended by it. I don't care nope. if they change the name, change nope. it to whatever you want. Once again, I've said many times on this show, the way to get big business to react is to hit them directly in the pocketbook, and that's what's happening here. So by next week, Jason, we'll probably be discussing the Redskins' new name. Who's to say? Folks, I'm out. Thank you so much. We're going to cut out a little early because I want to play the Huey Lewis and the News rendition of the National Anthem on this Independence Day weekend. Godspeed, my friends. You have yourselves a very safe and blessed week. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight For the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming And the rockets crackled, the bombs bursting in air Get proof through the night that our flag was still there Oh, say does that star-spangled people in this movie share three things in common they're courageous they've had a life-changing experience and they're black american conservatives these are the voices of the movie uncle tom i don't remember the actual day but i remember the emotion that i felt when it when it happened I'm often asked, was there an epiphany? I started asking questions. As I became more politically aware, a lot of the way that I saw things began to change. All of this information I've been taking in for several years. A continuation of these kind of contradictions. I had bought into all of these lies. You begin to see what the real agenda is. This is the movie the leftist Democrats do not want you to see. These are the people they do not want you to hear. Their stories will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. Their courage will challenge you. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view. UncleTom.com. Do you have the courage to discover the truth? Dennis Prager here with my friend Mike Hilborn, owner of Roof to Deck Restoration. Mike, I've seen roofs in the Twin Cities that have many years of life left, but are streaked and stained and look, quite honestly, terrible. Your company actually removes those streaks? Our process makes roofs look new again. Algae and moss grow on cedar shake roofs. Moss is especially damaging because it actually feeds on the cedar wood and prevents the wood from drying. And when wood doesn't dry, it rots. Cleaning and sealing a cedar shake roof actually extends the life of a roof. Mike, how can people learn more? See videos on our website at rooftodeck.com. That's rooftodeck.com. For a free quote, call 651-699-3504. That's 651-699-3504. Call now through Thursday and receive $100 off your project of $1,000 or more. Roof to Deck is now conducting no-contact quotes and service. Call 651-699-3504. 
Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-218-9520 800-218-9520 That's 800-218-9520 AM 1280, The Patriot.